All right. So I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving and that you're all settling in with a continual grateful spirit. So we're going to talk today lesson number five for the Women of Spirit Bible Study by Joy Haney. This lesson is Love Your Neighbor as Thyself. So again, we're going to read through a whole bunch of scripture. That's always the mark of a good Bible study. Lots of scripture. And we're going to start with Mark 12, verse 31. So, Mark 12, verse 31 says, And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Next, James 2, verse 8. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Now, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus told the lawyer, if he obeyed the two greatest commandments, he would live. So, if we go down to Luke 10, verse 29, we see that the question was asked, who is my neighbor? That's what the lawyer asked Jesus. Maybe we don't know. And if we don't know, the best thing to do is to ask. And then that led into the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to read that now. Luke 10, 30 through 37. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. I think it's pretty clear, anyone in need that crosses our path, 
doesn't matter who they are, what kind of world or community they come from, what culture, they are all considered our neighbors. So, simply put, love everyone as yourself. And, you know, I read, actually the other day, somewhere else, I was reading about how when we love our neighbor as ourselves, we are loving the image of God because every person is formed in the image of God. Love your neighbor, love God. Now, respect of persons. The scriptures really frown on showing any favoritism. In fact, James chapter 2 deals with this topic. The eighth verse in James chapter 2 is in between the discourse. If ye fulfill the royal law, thou shalt love thy neighbor. If ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. We aren't supposed to have favorites. Treat one person differently than another. We wouldn't like when that happens to us. Loving your neighbor is simple. And it's so profound and so necessary in our walk with God. And really, it doesn't have to be complicated. It's simply being a help to someone in need. James 2.15 through 16 tells us, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? And then we can look at the virtuous woman who cares not only for her own family's needs, but also those who are around her. She sees those needs. And Proverbs 31.20 says, She stretches out her hand to the poor. She reaches forth her hands to the needy. When we're reaching, we're, we're extending, we're communicating, we're trying to be in touch, in contact, and then stretch. Again, we're extending ourselves. You know, they always say, you have to stretch. That's how we grow. That's how we develop. It's the same thing with loving our neighbor. Going beyond our four walls. It's all about going and preaching the gospel. And sometimes we use words. And other times we simply show what it means by the things that we do. The things that we are willing to do. So we are going to turn to Matthew 25 now. And we are going to read verses 30. Four through 41. See, so Matthew 25, 
34 through 41. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It is our duty, it should be our passion, to show love towards the people we are in contact with, the people who are put in our path each day. We should be reaching for them, helping to bring them, helping them to learn of Jesus. Jude 22 and 23 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. Others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. And I really think this goes back to being able to look past those things that bother us, those sins of others, perhaps the heavy drinker in church or the individual who's tattooed all over, um, you know, those, those people who just don't fit in, in our eyes. I think we all, if we're honest, have certain things that perhaps we see them and we aren't as likely to reach out. We become more cautious. Or we think that God can't save that one. But none of that is for us to determine. We are simply to love them, to hate that sin that is a part of them, but to love them. Luke fourteen sixteen through 23, we read, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. 
I love how it talks about the importance of being able to compel them to come in because I think that's where we sometimes get a little confused. We have this very casual sometimes way of inviting people to church or we're trying to be nice. We don't want to offend anyone and certainly we don't want to go out of our way to be offensive, but we're not really compelling anyone to do anything. That compel, I think that's where the boldness comes in that we read about throughout the pages of the New Testament and, oh, that we would pray that we would have boldness to speak and to guide people and to reach out to them. We all know The scriptures say Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. That's our job too, as his ambassadors, as the body of Christ, as the church, the called out ones. We are to immerse ourselves so much in the cause of Christ that it's our cause. And we see the needs, and we are desperate to see people reach Jesus. There's loneliness. There's abandonment. There's anxiety. There's sickness. There are just so many things that people go through. And some people may never speak a word of their struggles and their trials to anyone. But... We as the church, we can always do something to show the love of Jesus. We can always show other people that we are his hands and his feet. Okay, so we know that everything in the Bible hinges on the two commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And the second command, love thy neighbor as thyself. So, Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What does Jesus say? He says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And we don't just love our neighbors by feeding them or saying hello visiting them when they're sick or, heaven forbid, when they're in prison. It's about so much more than ministering to the physical needs. It goes beyond reaching out to certain people, but it's about treating everyone in a fair, equal way, for lack of a better term. Um, Not loving 
the one in fancy clothes more than the one wearing rags, giving them both the love that God would give them. Colossians 3, 8 through 14. If we go there, it gives some pretty specific instructions to command it in regards to all of this. Um, I'm actually trying to find it right now. I thought I had it bookmarked, but I don't. So, suffice to say, Paul says we are to get rid of anger, rage, those passionate outbursts, that lack of control. We are to get rid of wrath, anger that's accompanied with raving, being furious. We have to put that away. We have to take that off. Malice, which is enmity of the heart or ill will. Any of those grudges, any spite that we feel towards someone. Resentment. resentment, I can't say that word today. Resentment or the meanness of the spirit. And blasphemy. We need to put away blasphemy. Cursing and reviling, speaking or engaging with an irreverence with a unfair or unfriendly way of being. Filthy communication out of your mouth. We need to put that away, whether it's joking around or obscenity or just inappropriate private things. There are some, there are things that just should not come out of our mouth. And lying. We should not lie one to another. And Colossians 9 tells us that seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. So if you look through Colossians 3, 8 through 14, all six put offs involve our mouth. (laughs) Whew. Anger and wrath is always, always released through our words. Malice, gossip, obscenities that we share with someone else doesn't make it right because we're in our own home. So, this is why the scriptures tell us that if we bridle our tongue, we are a perfect or righteous man. James 3, 2 says, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. I have a hard time controlling my temper, controlling my tongue. I think we all do, if we're honest. And if we want to be really honest. God is the only one who can truly bridle our tongue. I mean, we can try, but James 3 verse 8 says again, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. We keep going back to it's about the love 
about loving our neighbor, about loving our Lord. When we love one another, we are so much more like God. First John 4 verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth God not, for God is love. Verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, that's God in the flesh, to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Verse 12, No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Skipping down to verse 16. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. And verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So the only way we will be able to stand boldly in these days is by loving our neighbor. No gossiping, no malicious behavior. These things hurt our character and they make it impossible for us to stand before the Lord because God is love. First Peter 4, 8 says, Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. We have to remember that love prays. Love covers. Proverbs 10, verse 12 says that hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. We're going to go back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. We've talked about putting things off, but now we're talking about putting things on. And Colossians 3 tells us there's a couple things we need to put on as the elect of God, holy and beloved. First, our bowels of mercies. Second, is kindness. Third, 
humbleness of mind. Fourth, meekness. Fifth, long-suffering. Sixth, forbearing one another. Seven, if any man has a quarrel against you, show forgiveness. Forgive him. And number eight, above all, put on charity. Charity is the bond of perfectness. So, above everything you do, put on charity. First and foremost, because love is the most important thing. It comes before anything else. All right, so, but how do we put off and how do we put on these various things? Well, so thankful for the Apostle Paul. All that time he spent in prison, all these letters he wrote, he tells us exactly what we need to do. Now, in the epistles, we have to remember, Paul is addressing these letters to Christians who they're baptized in Jesus' name. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of Christ is fully in them. And he's giving them further instructions about how to have the right spirit, how to correct your spirit when it isn't right. There are things that we must do in order to put on the things that we should. And these things all involve our mind, our spirit, our emotion, our heart, and our will. It's about so much more than just showing certain spirits. We have to have the right attitude, the right spirit. You can do the right thing with the wrong attitude. And it may or may not do anyone any good. So Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 1. We need to seek those things which are above. Verse 2. Set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. I don't know how many times... I say, this earth is not our home. We are just passing through. Verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members that are alive to sin. Verse 10. Renew in knowledge. Verse 15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Verse 16. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Verse 17. Do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, and be thankful. We have to be very intentional about what we seek after, what we search for, what we reach for. 
we set our mind based upon what we put into it. We can mortify or put to death our earthly inclinations. We can lower our earthly or fleshly nature by not feeding that, but by feeding our spiritual nature through prayer and fasting, studying the word of God, spending time in prayer. I think I already said that, but you can never spend time in prayer. That's too much. Pray without ceasing. And we need to come together with like-minded believers. We need to study and teach one another and also be teachable. Those things that the Lord has done, those songs and hymns, they help keep our spirit alive and active, especially when we're alone, when we can't come together with other believers. We have to feed ourselves the right things if we want our spiritual nature to be strong. And, you know, we just need to be aware of Jesus in everything we do, in everywhere we go. My six-year-old daughter and my ten-year-old daughter will be out and sometimes at the beach, sometimes just going for a walk through trails or even just walking through a parking lot on the way to or from volleyball or hockey or one of those things that they do. And it never fails. They'll point out the cloud that looks like a heart or the stone or the leaf that's shaped like a heart. And they always see that as a reminder that God loves them. When we're going through our day, we should be doing things in Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory. It's all about Jesus. It's all about keeping him at the center of everything we do. We are in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. And I think when we adopt a thankful and a more spiritual nature, people will recognize that because it is different when we're talking about the things that we're thankful for, when we're happy and we're peaceful. And that makes a huge difference because we're in a world where it's so hard to be grateful with all of the crazy things that are going on. If we get sucked up into everything that's going on, it can really, really put a burden on our spirit. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. 
and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, we are to put away from ourselves corrupt communication, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice. We are to put on kindness to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Don't forget to recognize the Holy Spirit is grieved when God's people have wrong attitudes towards others, when they gossip, when they speak inappropriately, corruptly, when they hold grudges and they fight and cause war. We should always be considering what our actions and our words and our choices will do to our connection with the Spirit of God that's in us. Not to mention, how can we be a light to the world if we don't have the right Spirit working through us? So, just to go back and recap, when we're talking about something being corrupt, corrupt communication, um, it's tainted. It is definitely not upright or correct. It is a bad state. It is depraved. It is perhaps obscene, vicious, debased. Corrupt communication is tainting another's name, falsely accusing someone, sharing information that you don't have all the facts for, bringing other people down. It's a form of gossip. And God tells us we are not to speak or participate in that sort of thing. Bitterness, harsh or cruel, stinging, angry, disputing. We don't want to be bitter. We need to put off the bitterness. Wrath is anger accompanied with raving and fury. And of course, anger is a passionate outbreak, the rage that we feel. And don't get me wrong, there is a righteous anger, but we're not talking about that right now. Um, We're talking about the anger that is not self-controlled and not standing for righteousness at all, but is uncontrolled and ugly and, and not at all like the Lord. When we're talking about clamor, that is a great outcry, loud, shouting, violent expressions, discontent, And evil speaking is distress, calamity, 
anything that will impair another person's happiness or well-being or depriving them of good things, not necessarily things, but how they feel. If we're saying something, how is it going to make another person feel? I always see this image that says, think, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it nice? Is it kind? I can't remember what they all are, but it's a beautiful image to help us remember if we can slow down and think before we speak. We do not want our words to be full of corruption or bitterness or malice or evil speaking or clamor or anger. These things have nothing to do with loving God and loving our neighbor. And James 5, 9, I'll end with this one, says, Grudge not one against another, lest ye be condemned. We will all, the Bible says, one day stand before the Lord and give an account for every word and deed. This isn't to cause us to stress out or feel anxious about anything, but for us to seek to have that peace that is of God, to have his spirit fully controlling our heart and our mind so that when we speak, when we act, it is in a way that glorifies our God. We're in a crazy time right now. And people need the Lord more than they ever have before. I think it's our responsibility. We get to be stewards. We get to be teachers. We get to be those who are walking in the spirit. According to the Bible, with signs and wonders following. That's a pretty big deal. And I think that requires us to... Take a little bit more seriously the life that we're living, the way that we're doing, our, spending our time here. Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes that we are to steward well the time that God has given us. And I really do believe that that is such a necessary thing for us. There's so many distractions. There's so many, for those of us who are parents, there's so many activities and clubs for our kids to get involved in. We need to be careful that those things don't crowd out God and his spirit working in our life because It's all about eternity. This world will 
pass away and all that's in it. We can't take anything with us. I don't know that I would want to. Although I do have a couple good books that I would love to bring along. (laughs) Suffice to say, if we walk in the spirit, if we feed our soul, fasting and prayer and time spent studying the word of God, we will find that it's not only easy to love our neighbor, but we will find an excitement and an enthusiasm that will infuse our life and our day because we'll be looking for ways. We'll be praying for God to put people and and situations in our path so that we can show his goodness, show his love to our neighbors. I think that's about it for today. That is Love Your Neighbor. And next time, we're on lesson six. We'll talk about loving your enemy. We'll see you soon. May the Lord bless you.